Hello and welcome to season two of the Simple Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Betts and together with my wife Sheree, we are exploring authentic Christianity for normal people. In other words, uh, we are looking at uh, what our faith means without the overly unnecessarily churchy words or overly intellectual stuff. We're basically just exploring our faith in a way that we can all understand and hopefully in a way that will be helpful to you as well as uh, to us as we go on this journey together. Um, in season two, there's something really exciting. Did you know you can now check us out on YouTube and find a video podcast? So right now you could go onto YouTube and you could watch me looking right back at you, which is pretty cool. Um, so please do that. We're going to experiment with that. We might not keep it up. We don't know how it's going to go. Uh, but other than, other than that, there's a few things to tell you before we jump straight back into this episode. Firstly, we were briefly in the top 100 Christian uh, podcasts in the UK, which is a phenomenal stat. Uh, we are really grateful for that. So thank you so much for listening. We, we so appreciate that. That's huge to us. I know it was only for one week and it's only a small thing, uh, but we do appreciate that. So thank you. Um, in the last three months, while we've been on break from uh, season one of the Simple Faith podcast, Sharia and I had a baby, a baby boy called JJ, who was born on December the 28th. And uh, to be honest, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind. Uh, it's been a crazy time. If you are a parent and you're listening to this podcast, uh, I salute you. My hat is off to you. That is a big deal. It's a much bigger deal than I realized. And so I want to thank you for that. That's awesome. Thank you for being a parent. Um, the reason I'm telling you that as well is because Shreya is going to take a bit of an extended break while we try and figure out being parents in this crazy COVID world. So with that all said, let's get to our episode. This episode of the Simple Faith podcast is uh, an exceptionally important one, but it's uh, also a really sad one. We're, we're talking about what happens when leaders Four. And so I'm, I'm really pleased to be joined today by uh, Chris Williams. He is uh, a really good friend of mine. He is the youth pastor at Mackenzie Town Church in Southeast Calgary. And I want to tell you that I don't know many people in the world with more integrity than this guy. Uh, he's not only a fantastic drummer, <laughs> he's not only a kombucha connoisseur, He's not only a great friend, but he is just a man of integrity. So I couldn't think of anyone better to have on the show to talk about leaders falling than a man full of integrity and honor and uh, grace and truth. Uh, so Chris, it is a privilege to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Um, hey, kind words. I don't know uh, if uh, I can uh, accept your, uh, you know, telling me I'm a great drummer. You know, uh, might have been a little bit rusty since the last time we played together, but uh, but really, really thankful, Dave. You are a fantastic friend, guy I look up to, and just an honor to to have a conversation with you, Chris. I appreciate that. This is uh, an exciting uh, opportunity for us to really just catch up and also talk about something that's a, a really big deal. So, with all that in mind, with all that said, we're going to structure this conversation about why leaders fall in, in three parts. Part one, we want to talk about why. Why are we talking about when leaders fall? There's some very good reasons. You, know, you might even think the first episode of the new season, that's kind of a downer. Well, we'll get to it. That's a big deal. So one, why are we talking about this? Uh, two, 
We're going to talk a bit about power, about what power is and why it's so dangerous. And then three, we're going to talk about what we should expect of, of Christian leaders and well, how do we protect ourselves from fooling ourselves? So those are the three things. We're going to talk about why. <laughs> why are we talking about this in the first place? We're going to talk about power and we're going to talk about what we should expect of Christian leaders. So uh, stick with us because after the break, we will dive right in. So, Chris, this is the big question. Why are we talking about when leaders fall? Yeah, Dave, you know, uh, as I've been listening and following along with your podcast, what I love about it is that it's a podcast for regular people. It's a podcast for people who are, you know, maybe just checking out Christianity for the first time or maybe are new to faith. And this is one of the questions that comes up. It's like, hey, what do I do when I when my leader fails morally? Or what what do I do when um, you know? I see in the news these you know, awful things that supposedly spiritual people are doing. And so I think the reason that we're talking about it is because it matters. It, it matters as a question of, of real faith and uh, you know, not just, not just a, uh, you know, an idea that we believe in, but, but what really does, how does this faith like, live it out in my life? And I, I love that lots of, lots of people whether they're seeking out Christianity or they are, you know, followers of Jesus, that this is an important question to them because, and I was, I was talking, you mentioned I'm a youth pastor, Dave, and I was talking to some of my students this week. And one of the things that we said is that our faith has to change the way we live. It, mm -hmm. it, we can't have a faith that is hypocritical. And I, I think that's a lot, a lot of the reason why, many people actually write off Christianity. And so this question matters when we talk about, hey, uh, what do I do when, when leaders fail? Is because it's a question of, is this actually real? Is this actually changing the way people live? Is this actually making a difference? Because if it's not, and many people go, well, it's just not for me. So that's why I think it's so important to talk about. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. On a broad level, it's so important to have this conversation. And, you know, there are actually a few specific incident incidences that we want to address as well. So uh, you might be aware of uh, a man called Ravi Zacharias. He was the founder of Azim Ministries. It's an apologetics ministry. You might remember we did an episode uh, talking about apologetics. He was hugely respected and he died in May 2020. But uh, after that, um, there were allegations made in late August of 2020. By the way, I'm reading from an open letter from Azim's website here uh, that Ravi had engaged in sexual misconduct and abuse in connection with two day spas that he owned. Um, they commissioned an independent report by Miller and Martin PLLC, and they found that the scope of the abuse was uh, extraordinarily broad. Um, there was uh, there was massive spiritual abuse, sexual misconduct, as well as uh, some incredible efforts to hide this secret life. And it's, it's rocked the Christ Christian world. And then there's the uh, Hillsong USA leader, Carl Lentz, who was fired recently after having an, uh, a very public affair. And Brian Houston, the leader of Hillsong Worldwide, uh, he publicly had to apologize, not just for the affair, but for the gross 
misuse of church finances and positions of trust that were happening in the USA. And then there's Bill Hybels, who was a, a personal hero of mine, who one of the most uh, famous Christian leaders in the whole world, actually, who stepped down in 2018 after being accused of multiple accounts of sexual misconduct stretching back more than 20 years. Um, yeah. For me personally, uh, I worked for a church at one point where there was uh, massive abuse in the senior leadership level. And um, I'm not going to share details of that. That's beyond the scope of this. But I've seen firsthand the damage and the destruction and the pain that it causes. And all of this is just within the last three years. Um, mm. And this stuff is happening around the world. There's so much. I, I, we don't have to list all the specifics, uh, but, but these things have happened so much recently that we, we felt actually it's important to, to address some of these things. You know, there's uh, spiritual authority and emotional abuse, abuse of finances, sexual abuse. And, you know, of course, uh, it's worth mentioning, I've, I've highlighted here that this isn't just an issue among leaders. This is an issue because we all face uh, this daily battle with the effects of sin. But here's the thing, it can be uh, even more damaging when it's the leaders who fall. Fundamentally, it's an abuse of power, and that's a challenge. So uh, that's what we're going to get to in a minute. We're going to talk about power and, and what that means. Chris, I wonder if you have yeah. any other thoughts before we head to the next section here. Yeah, I did, Dave. And, you know, right off the bat, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say, hey, let's be real. Like you mentioned a couple Let's, you mentioned a couple uh, instances that have happened even very recently. And, and I just want to be real right off the bat. Most of these blowups we read about are sexual in nature. They're, they, they're sexual abuses. Yes, there are power abuses. Yes, um, you know, there's a few that I can think of, you know, uh, you know when, when Mars Hill blew up. And that, that was just a, a failure of, of leadership and, and, uh, and integrity that way. But like, let's just be really upfront and honest, because I think whether somebody's listening and they're a seeker or new or uh, have been a Jesus follower for a long time, is that like that's that's what that's what one of the main uh, what's one of the main like abuses that happens that comes out. Now, are there other abuses? Yes, there are, and unfortunately, probably a lot of them go unseen because they aren't aren't seen as, as bad. Right. But, um, but why, why is this so important? And, you know, because, because sexual sin just has a certain power of destruction in our world. Um, you know, just, just think of even outside of the church of, you know, all the, the celebrity abuses that have been coming up in the Me Too movement and, and things like that. And things are coming coming out and up above the surface where, uh, you know, sexual abuse just, it just destroys people. And so we really need to face this head on as the church. We cannot turn a blind eye anymore. And, and I think that it's, it's something that we need to do uh, as, as people who claim to follow Jesus. And, and I want to explore, I'm really excited to explore, hey, what does the message of Jesus actually say towards this? Because I think it has something radical to say to us who live in a very sexualized culture uh and and you know in ourselves too we got to recognize that 
that uh, we too are prone prone to that as well. And and I'm excited to explore because I think, Dave, that that a Jesus view of sexuality and and sin will actually shift this pandemic. Now I know that's a that's a weird word to use because we're actually in a pandemic, but let's let's name it for what it is. Is that sexual sin is causing destruction in our world. It always has. I don't know if it always will, but I hope that we can take a step and lead that as the church and saying, no, this is wrong. This is uh, actually the right way to do um, sexuality and justice. And I just want to be honest with that right off the top, because we're going to talk about probably some other things, but primarily they were going, when these leaders fail, it, it tends to be sexual in nature. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. And for me, I would say, I'm not sure if I 100% agree. I think there, of course, there is a, 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 like a, a sexual element often. Um, but as we'll see, I, I, where I've landed before this conversation is I think it's fundamentally an abuse of power to get to that place. So yeah. after the break, let's dig into that. Let's talk about that a bit more in a bit more detail, because ultimately, both of these things are issues in the church that need to be addressed. addressed. So uh, stay with us and we will talk more about this after another short break. So, Chris, I want to explain why I think that power is the fundamental thing. So you're saying that actually it's it's kind of the sexuality, that side of things, or sexual abuse, that's the main thing. I, I think it's power. And here's why I think that. So uh, for those of you who maybe don't know me so well, um, I studied a degree in leadership and management when I was uh, a bit younger. And one of the things we looked at was uh, the work of a guy called John French and Bertram Raven, who uh, in the late... Uh, 1950s developed what what they described as the five bases of power. Now, I think this is really interesting. So stick with me here. The, the five bases of power are one, legitimate power, which is like that perception that someone has formal authority. And then there's reward power, which is uh, that, that someone has the ability to compensate you for something. So you know, if I said, I would give you, Chris, $10,000 if you did something. Well, I'm exerting power over you if you go, oh, yeah, I'd do that for $10,000. Then there's expert power. So this is when people look to you for your skill and your knowledge. So when I was a a music director at 20 years of age, I wasn't looked to because of my position, but I did have a knowledge that people wanted to ask me about. So I had expert power, but I didn't have much other uh, power. And then there's referent power. This is where people follow you because they like you, uh, because they respect you. So the person that comes to my mind is someone that Chris and I both know called Melissa Cochran, who uh, she is just so well loved by people that that people do what she wants just because they love her. Uh, And then there's uh, number five is coercive power, which means when someone can physically force someone to do something. So think of uh, Hitler, of course, he used coercive power. So we've got legitimate power, which is the formal authority thing, reward power, which means you can compensate someone in some way, expert power, which is your knowledge, referent, which is because someone likes you, and coercive power, which is when someone can force one another, uh, someone else to do something. So these are the five bases of power. 
Uh, and then there's this really helpful book that I want to recommend to all of you right now. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes here. By the way, a lot of this will be in the show notes. Uh, there's a book called Redeeming Power by Diane Langberg. I read this in, in preparation for this. And she talks about power in similar ways, only using kind of different names. And she'd add like verbal power, you know, which is you're kind of an orator and you have the ability to, to persuade people with your words. Spiritual power, which... Uh, is another, you know, of course, using your your spirituality to to lead people, and then the power of culture to help uh, gain a a uh, sense of power over another. Now, you might not remember all of that, and that's okay. But here's where I think this is really interesting. Power can be exerted in many different ways, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with any of these things in their in themselves. But the problem is, it can also be abused. And if you look at that list. In the church, you can think about a pastor or an elder or a vicar or whatever in your church setting. They can all be looked at as having formal power, legitimate power. They could, they all have the ability to compensate people with rewards. We've seen that in church history where they'll give you uh, access to heaven, or you know, quote unquote, access to heaven for compliance, or you know, they'll excommunicate you from the church. They have, uh, they're looked at as experts, so they have expert power when you're preaching and teaching and things of theology. Uh, they're often good speakers, which means they have verbal power. They're often well-liked and respected, which means they have referent power. And then, of course, there's spiritual power. And then if you're in the Christian culture, you have cultural power as well. So all of this is to say there are so many opportunities for church leaders to abuse power if they are not like extraordinarily careful. So as a church leader, of course, we are called to serve. And we'll talk about that more in the next section. But what I think is so interesting about leaders in the churches, and one of the reasons I think Jesus talked about us being called to serve and not to be served is because there are so many different bases of power that can be abused in the church, which is why when these leaders fall, many of them fall catastrophically. Ravi Zacharias is one of those who, who ticked all of those boxes for uh, power. And so he was able to abuse power so uh, incredibly. So Chris, I want to present that to you. <laughs> Let me know what you yeah, think. Yeah, Dave. I, I, I love that thought. Um, as I was reflecting on this uh, kind of over the last couple of weeks, that's really what it came back to for me as well. Um, God just kept, kept reminding me of this pattern that I've been seeing in scripture that a lot of a lot of our rises and falls, it comes down to this one innate human desire, which is a desire for power. And like you said, Dave, it's, it's not a bad desire because you, know, you think of the power of a father to protect or the, the power of a mother to, to be so loved and so powerful uh, in the life of, of, uh, of a child. Or uh, you think of you know, the power of a basketball coach. I coach basketball with a bunch of grade eight boys. And uh, you know, there's there's a certain power you have when you hold the whistle and you can make them run lines if they're not listening, right? You know what I mean? Uh, and yet that power can be used to build up or it can be used to take. And that's that's a pattern that you know I see a lot through scripture. You start with in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, what was the thing that caused them to turn their backs on God? It was a desire for power and autonomy. Eve saw that the fruit was good for gaining wisdom. Now, God was going to give her wisdom, but she wanted it on her own. She wanted her mm -hmm. own power. 
and they and she took and she ate. Uh, or or you think of David, classic example. Uh, maybe maybe some of our listeners here, uh, maybe they know uh, the story of David and Goliath. That that David. Maybe they know uh, the story of David and Bathsheba, where where David he's supposed to be out fighting wars. What is he doing? Hey, he's on his rooftop. He sees a pretty woman. He has power over her, and he has her husband killed uh, because of that desire. And 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 yet. We're going to get there. But what I love is that you see this reverse in the story of Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 4. And where Jesus is tempted uh, by Satan in the wilderness. And Satan says, hey, I can give you all the kingdoms of the world. And I heard this recently. Uh, Satan wants to give us in the temporary what God wants to give us in the eternal. And so, Dave, I love that thought because as I was thinking about this this week, it really came down to this for me is that we need to radically shift our relationship to power. Because I love that. It's not that we don't chase power. It's not that we don't have power. It's not that we turn away from it. But we need to radically change our relationship to it. Yeah, yeah I'd love to hear absolutely. your thoughts. Yeah, I think we all have power in some way. Uh, it might be very small. It might be over a, uh, something very small. It might be over an animal. <laughs> it might be over... Uh, your family, it might be over an organization, it might be over a corporation, but we have power. And the, the question is, how do we wield that power for the kingdom of God? Uh, Chris, I think you've hit yeah. the nail on the head. Uh, let's yeah. jump to the next section, because this is where I really want us to camp for a bit is, you know, uh, how do we approach leadership? If, if, if we have power, and it's a question of using that power well, what does it look like to use that power well? How do we treat people well? How do we love people well? How do we explore power? So let's jump into the final section and have a conversation about it. Okay, so we have established why we need to talk about when leaders fall or fail. And uh, we've talked about the power dynamic. But the big question is this, what does the Bible say about all of this? That's what matters. And uh, what should we expect of Christian leaders? Chris, what, let me know what you think. Yeah. And, and Dave, we kind of talked about how we need to radically shift our relationship to power. And uh, I love, I love, so Dave, Dave and I, we went to uh, college together, we got to graduate together. Fantastic. And uh, Dave, you were the, uh, you were the uh, president of, of our school or whatever you call it, the student body student, president. Yeah, student body president. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's just refer to him as the president because then people will just, you know, think it's like, <laughs> hey, that's, that's pretty important stuff right there. Um, no, and, and it was. And I loved your leadership, Dave. And, and what you picked as our graduation verse, I think actually really fits here. Uh, we talked, uh, our theme verse was John chapter 3, verse 30, which is this, uh, this line from a character named John the Baptist. And he's, he's uh, talking about Jesus and he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And what if, what if that is the, the key um, tension in our lives that needs to get flipped on its head, uh, that he must increase and I must decrease? Because in reality, abuses of power, which is what we were talking about, whether that's uh, 
power over somebody and abusing sexually, abusing uh, monetarily, or just uh, abusing emotionally as well? Uh, what if that's actually an elevation of self rather than an elevation of the glory of Jesus? Yes, and, Chris. Yeah, so good. That. I'm going to jump in there just because, firstly, uh, that's in my notes. This John three thirty. <laughs> I just love that that passage. It's it's my uh, life verse, if you like. But uh, also, it's important to notice, and this is something I read in in that book, Redeeming Power by Diane Langberg, which again I can't recommend enough. Uh, it's it really helped me in kind of uh, uh, approaching all this. By the way, also she's in. Um, a podcast called Unbelievable. You might have heard of that one before. It's a very popular podcast and uh, you can listen to her conversation about this whole Ravi Zacharias thing. Uh, so it's worth looking at. But anyway, in this book, she she points to the Great Commission, to Matthew 28, uh, 18 to 19. And it talks about how Jesus says, all authority to me has been given uh, on heaven and earth. Oh, sorry. Let me re- say that again. Let me get it right this time. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus is saying that actually I'm the one with the authority here. I'm the one who has all authority. And and when we say he must increase and I must decrease, what we're saying is, Jesus, we acknowledge that you have all authority. In Galatians 2.20, it says, uh, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We're saying all authority has been given to you. We submit that that power. We submit that uh, everything that we are to you. Uh, And then in uh, John 5, 19, it says, Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does these things. And this is, I, I copied this quote from Langberg's book. It says this, we tout our own teachings, our own writings, our own organizations, our own podcasts, our own reputations. I added the podcast bit, but Jesus did nothing of the sort. We seek a share of the glory and the power for ourselves. Yet he humbled himself before God and humans and became a servant. So we're saying that Jesus must increase and we must decrease. But what we're also saying is that Jesus set the example by saying, no, all authority has been given to me, but I live to serve the Father. And that's that's the pattern of what we want to follow. We want to recognize the power that we have is given to us by God himself, all power that we have, and yet all authority, all that power, it was really Jesus's in the first place. And yet Jesus serves his heavenly father. What a a wonderful picture. Uh, Jesus, God himself, who died on the cross for us. Uh, That's a a huge, huge thing. You know, and Dave, that, that reminds me, like instantly the words you're using reminds me of two passages. Matthew chapter 5, which is Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount. If you're familiar with that term, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, kind of Jesus' major core teaching as he launches his ministry. And Philippians chapter 2, which many of us, uh, you know, if you grew up going to summer camp or anything like that, a lot of us, you know, maybe memorize that one. And here's why I think those two uh, texts are so radical. Because what Jesus taught is was an upside-down view of the world, an upside-down view of power. Now, uh, you, you think, hey, God is, you know, the most powerful person in the world. You know, like, I mean, hey, he, he made the place, right? What I love is, is the example of Jesus. He, he teaches in, in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the meek, 
for they will inherit the earth. Not, not the ones who use their power to push down others, but rather uh, the ones who are meek. Now, that's a fairly radical statement if you live in a world where uh, Roman soldiers might just come, come by and, and break your kneecaps. That's also a very <laughs> radical statement for you and I uh, in a world where, hey, uh, the more social media followers you have, uh, the more powerful you become. The more money you have, the more powerful you become. And Jesus actually says, no, blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. And, uh, and, and Dave, your, your words just reminded me of, sorry, I'm trying to, trying to flip over there. Uh, but, but Philippians chapter two, like Jesus set the example. Uh, he says, uh, Paul writes in, in Philippians chapter two, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, in, though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Dave, like you, you said, all authority has been given to Jesus, and the way up is down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, it's just the challenge for us is remembering who Jesus is. You know, you're talking about that. Jesus died as a suffering servant. We we talk about that in uh, in the Bible. We see a picture of that in Isaiah or Isaiah 53. And, uh, you know, Mark, it says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that this is the same God in Colossians 1, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn among all creation, who is over all authorities and powers and who holds all things together. And we're talking about Jesus, who holds all things together. There's <laughs> The Son is what? I guess it's like what, a hundred times bigger than the earth? It might even be more. I forget how much bigger. Think about how big the sun is and the fact that there are a billion stars like it in, in our universe. And Jesus holds every molecule of those together. That blows my mind. That's the, that's the authority that Jesus has. And yet he chooses not to be served, but to serve. That blows my mind. And so let's pivot this conversation to uh, how that applies to us in today's world in uh, looking for leaders. What were we looking for in, in godly Christian leaders? Well, we're looking for people who came not to be served, but to serve. Came, we're looking for people who aren't looking to exploit their power uh, to, to get personal gain. We're looking for people who say, no, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. You know, we're looking for people who say, no, this isn't about us. It, it never has been, and it never will be. It's all about Jesus. If if you see people who want to be served, this is why this is a personal gripe of mine. You've heard me say it before. It's why I'm uncomfortable with being called Pastor Dave, because <laughs> I'm here as a servant. I'd much prefer that you called me Servant Dave. <laughs> That's I feel like it's a much more accurate and less dangerous thing to call someone. We're, when we put people on those pedestals, it becomes so dangerous and. So I I would encourage us to be looking for uh, Holy Spirit-filled 
Bible-believing, Jesus-following leaders. And, you know, I want us to recognize as well that we can't just look to leaders for their output. Um, You know, as a a pastor in a small church, uh, there is a lot that I need to do. And Chris, as a youth pastor, I'm sure there's a lot on your plate. There always is. But one of the challenges is that we judge someone's work who works in full-time ministry by their their output. And what I'd encourage you to do, whether you are a young person or whether you are someone who has been walking with Jesus for decades or whether you are working in full-time ministry right now, don't look at someone's output as the primary thing. Look at their relationship with Jesus. Look at the way that they love Jesus. Look at the way that they devote their lives to Jesus. Look at the way that they say, uh, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When you see those things in a leader, that's when they're stood on solid ground. (laughs) You know, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When you see leaders who say that and aren't trying to build something in their own strength, that's a good thing. That's when you see a leader that I think will stand firm they're building their house mm-hmm. on solid ground and not on uh, sand. That is a strong mm-hmm. and healthy thing. So that's what I would encourage you to look for. Chris, is there anything you'd add to, to that before we finish here? Yeah, exactly. Because when you see that in a leader, you know that they are not just out there for themselves. They're going to lift you up. They're going to make you better. I love what John Maxwell says. Uh, he says, the best place for a leader isn't always the top position. It isn't the most prominent or powerful place. It's the place where he or she can serve the best and add the most value to other people. Think backwards on that quote. Now, John Maxwell, he is, he is a Jesus follower. He is a Christian. Uh, but think backwards to the model of Jesus and, uh, and think about this quote. True leadership must be for the benefit of the followers, not to enrich the leader. Does that not just describe Philippians chapter 2? Does that not describe the yeah. person of Jesus? And, and I hope it describes not only me as a leader, but I hope it describes the people that I follow. So often we can get sucked into uh, following people who, uh, you know, we are maybe attracted to because they wear the right clothes or they uh, have the right amount of celebrity or, or uh, they can kind of give us what we want. But I want to find a leader who I know is is going to uh, be there for me, not for uh, not to enrich their own lives. Mm. Chris, thank you so much for the, joining us for this conversation. I think it's so uh, helpful. I'm so glad that you're here to talk about it. I want to quickly summarize uh, where we've gotten to today, and then we'll we'll finish up here. But firstly, we we talked about the importance of this conversation. There are leaders who are falling and. It's causing a lot of damage in the Christian world. It's causing a lot of damage to Jesus' reputation. So we need to talk about that. Secondly, we talked about power and how there are lots of different forms of power and (laughs) Christian leaders run the risk of abusing all of those forms. That's a dangerous thing. So being a Christian leader, if you get it wrong, can be extraordinarily dangerous. And we talked about how we want to follow the example of Jesus as leaders, but not just as leaders, as followers as well. We want to, we want to get that uh, downward facing, Jesus facing, humble attitude right where we uh, serve because we are uh, recognizing that all authority has been given to Jesus. It's not ours. It's not our power to wield. We're here to serve and not to be served. 
And we want to recognize, yeah, that we can, we can fall too. <laughs> We're just as susceptible, just at, as at risk as falling as anyone else if we don't cultivate that relationship with Jesus, regardless of whether you're a leader or, or not. Uh, so, so I think those are really important conversations. It's kind of a somber start to season two of the Simple Faith podcast. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to us or wherever you get your podcasts, and that means you'll receive them uh, nice and quickly. That's a really good thing. You can also check us out on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe there. Just search for Simple Faith Podcast and you'll find us in video style, which is really cool. Uh, and if you're new, don't forget to check out our older episodes. So we've covered things like communion. What does the Bible say about swearing or tattoos? We've covered LGBT in the church. We've covered an overview of the Bible. There's a whole range of things we've covered. So don't forget to go and take, take a look at some of those episodes. Uh, and finally, uh, we want to serve you doing this podcast. But here's the thing. It actually costs money to make a podcast. Did you know that? Would you consider buying us a digital cup of coffee. Uh, one of the things that we figured that might be a fun way that we could not make tons of profit on this, but at least break even was uh, by signing up to a website called buymeacoffee.com. Now, if you go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash simple faith pod, that's buymeacoffee.com forward slash simple faith pod, you can just buy us a digital coffee. You can help us cover our expenses. I'm going to be uh, open with you. Our expenses are about $50 a month. Uh, and if you were to help us cover some of those expenses, that means that we can put more effort into uh, serving you well and not less effort into other things. So if you'd consider that, that would be great. But ultimately, even if you don't, we're going to keep doing our best to serve you with this content because it's not about finances. You know that, we know that. It's about trying to serve you the best we can, trying to learn more about Jesus and hopefully becoming closer to him in the process. So that is it from us for episode one of season two of the Simple Faith podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you're watching the video, we hope you've enjoyed watching the video. Thank you again, Chris. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.